The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Good morning, New Song Church. Whoa, hey. Well, let's put that back. Okay. <laughs> uh, I am uh, Pastor Ken, and we are honored to be with you today. Uh, we are in a series uh, you called You Asked For It. We're dealing with questions, and we got a big one today. What about the end of the world? What does the Bible say about that? We're going to take a subject that really can get deep and tricky and sometimes really weird with some people's idea. We're going to try to simplify it in a way that we can understand it and help us know what we're to do with it. It helps define our assignment, and I gave you the last point already. But uh, before I, I, I get in the message, I have to tell a grandkid story, right? Because I'm a papa. Now, um, uh, Josh's kids, Gus, Bo, and Sonny, a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, Bo and Sonny, and uh, I took them to Bo's dance class. So I was, remember, I was there. So I took the girls, you know, and we go through dance class, and, and I didn't dance. How many are glad to hear that? But I watched. And uh, it was awesome. Then we went to McDonald's, which we had a great meal, and then we had to go to Walmart. And everybody has to go to Walmart every day of your life, right? So you've got to get something at Walmart. So I got the two little girls. I got Sonny's three in the cart, Bo's six. And uh, so I, I, there's a big display of rubbing alcohol. So I thought, you know what, I, I know we need some alcohol. So I pick up a bottle of alcohol, throw it in the cart, pick up a couple of things, and then we go home, and we walk in the house, and I'm, you know, taking things out of the sacks, and Bo's standing there, and Trudy walks in, and, and Bo says to Trudy, I don't know why Papa bought alcohol. He's supposed to be a preacher. <laughs> oh, grandkids are awesome. So what does that have to do with the message? Nothing. That's just I wanted to tell that story, okay? Um uh, but uh, what about the end of the world? Are we close to the end of the world? Uh, can we really know when the end of the world is coming? Uh, and why does it really matter? It's going to happen whether I know about it or not. But here's the fact. Understanding the end times will help define our assignment. Because are we close to the end? We're going to find out this morning. So uh, I want you to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 24. And... Uh, uh, Jesus, his disciples have come to him. They're at the temple. Jesus has made an, a, a statement early on in Matthew 24. We won't take time to read it all. But uh, he says, see all this temple, beautiful, ornate, a huge building. And Trudy and I have been to Israel a couple of times. The temple has been destroyed. Uh, it's all in, in ruin. But it was humongous and very impressive. And Jesus is pointing this out. He said, uh, you see this? There, there will come a day soon that there won't be one stone upon another. And so that piques his disciples' interest. They're thinking, what's going to happen? So they ask him a question, and it was twofold. Uh, what's going to signal your return to the earth and the end of the world? Now look at verse 36 of Matthew 24, and uh, Jesus makes a statement here when it comes to understanding the end. And he says, but of that day and hour, he's already he's given them all these signs. We're going to look at some this morning of the end of the world. But of that day and hour, he says, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So you cannot know the exact day when the Lord comes back. Back many, many years ago, 1988, there was a book that came out. And anybody here remember 1988, Okay. And maybe you remember this book, Carl. It's called 88 Reasons Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. And the book said that he had to come back in September of 1988, and that book doesn't sell very well today. 
because he didn't come back, right? So you can't know the day and the hour. But it's, but it's like this. It's like, let's say you were in a coma, okay? And you wake up and uh, somebody says to you, okay, we want you to tell us what day it is. And so they put a blindfold on you and take you outside and it was yesterday when it was 104 degrees in Oklahoma City, right? And you, you don't know the exact time it is. You can't pick out the day, but you do understand this. Because of the climate, I know what season it is, right? Because it's hot and this ain't December in Oklahoma City, right? And that's what God's telling us. Jesus wants to give us signs so we're, you know, we're pointing to it and but and the reason we we must know that and we must see these signs is because once again it defines our assignment. So I've got uh, three things that I want to leave with you this morning about the end of the world. Number one, there is a great judgment coming. There is a great judgment coming, and Jesus gave signs of what that judgment is. Also, Paul gave us some signs, and it's kind of threefold. And the first thing about this judgment is there will be signs, and the first signs are signs in the earth. There will be signs in the earth. Jesus talked about in Matthew 24, there would be wars and rumors of wars. Did you know since 1945, at the end of World War II in America, we have only had three weeks of combined peace. There has been war going on pretty much all the time. We had, after World War II, the Korean War. We had Vietnam, which went on for many, many, many years. We had Iraqi War One, Iraqi War Two, uh, war after war conflict. Only three weeks combined. Over two, uh, uh, compi- uh, only three weeks combined. Excuse me. Uh, over two hundred and fifty conflicts. So I think we could say that that's a clue. Wars and rumors of wars. Number two, Jesus said there would be famines and earthquakes. Famine. Did you know in the earth today? We're not so aware of this in America. But there are 41,000 people every 24-hour period that die of starvation. That is 28 people every minute. People starving to death is a big deal in the world right now. And it is one of the signs of the end. Uh, Another thing Jesus talked about, earthquakes. Uh, There will be earthquakes in different places. I never heard of this when I was a kid. In fact, I grew up in Texas, but we have now earthquakes in Oklahoma, I thought there were only earthquakes like in California and America, but you know there are earthquakes in crazy places now. Uh, there are now 20,000 estimate earthquakes per year. That's four times more than they had in 1900. So earthquakes is a sign. Jesus said you would be hated by all nations because of me. Did you know around the world there, uh, today there are 100 million Christians that suffer persecution? In 2012, there were 100,000 people worldwide who were martyred, gave their life for their belief in Christ. So we see there are signs in the earth. Are they coming to pass? Yes, they're coming to pass right now. So there's also number two, signs in human behavior. Go to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Paul's writing to Timothy. 2 Timothy 3, 1. I'm reading from the New Living. It's up on the screen. And he says this. You should know this, Timothy, Timothy, that in the last days there will be difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. Is that a sign of our times? They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God. You know, when I was growing up, There were people that didn't love God, okay? But it seems like their respect level was different. 
I remember when I was in the second grade, long, long time ago, every day in our public school, uh, my second grade teacher, Mrs. Webb, read us a Bible uh, lesson, read from the Bible after research, or after recess. But you know, things have changed. Now there are people, you see them on TV all the time, and they just, they're not like neutral, they are haters of God. We see that happening in our time. They will be boastful, proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving. They'll say anything. They'll be unloving, unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. You know, there are, I'm not putting anybody down. There's all kinds of people meeting in our city, all, all around America, around the world, today, Sunday, and they're having church. But you know, a lot of it is form. And it's not, they're not really connecting with God. They're, they're not, uh, and, and, and because of that, they don't have the real power. I grew up in a particular denomination that believed miracles had passed away, and God no longer did things like that. And it was religious. And let me tell you what, religion is a danger to the power of God working in your life. So all, do we see those things coming to pass? I think that we do. There are signs in human character. The Bible says in Luke 17, as it was in the days of Noah, in the days of Noah, the people had no regard for God. We see that happening now. As it was in the days of Lot, in the days of Lot, the outstanding thing about that story, if you read it in Genesis, is sexual boundaries are taken off. And we can just do anything we want to. Whatever feels good, do it. That mantra was born in the 60s and still goes on today. So we see signs in human behavior. And then the third kind of signs we see, and this is a big one, is the sign of Israel. Look in Matthew chapter 24 again, verse 32. And Jesus is closing out all these signs, and he says this, but learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves or life comes to it, then you know that summer or harvest time is very, very near. The greatest sign that we have of, of all these signs that we are close to the return of Jesus Christ is the nation of Israel because that temple that Jesus said would be destroyed was destroyed. In 70 A.D., Titus, the Roman emperor, came into Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, trampled the city underfoot, dispelled the Jews from the nation. They were always there. Uh, some Jews were there, but they didn't rule the nation anymore for hundreds and hundreds of years. You could have read this scripture 75 years ago and not known what it meant. But in 1948, a miracle happened. And the Jewish people came back home. They took control of their land again. They preserved their language after hundreds of years. Nobody's ever done that. The greatest miracle that we see that Jesus is coming back is to look at Israel. The, the fig tree is figurative of Israel. They were reborn in 1948. And, uh, and that is a picture of Jesus is coming back. And before he comes back, there will be a very, very bad time. It's called the tribulation. But it is a time, it's not meant for people that are serving God. 
It's meant for the Jewish people to receive their Messiah. And it's also a time when God's going to give people their last chance to accept him and receive him before final judgment comes on the earth. It's going to be a rough time too. It will be very treacherous during that time. The Bible doesn't say, though, it's judgment for the church. In fact, in Jeremiah 37, if you just want to look this up later, I'll read it to you. Alas, for that day is great so that none is like it, and it is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Now, Jacob is figurative of the nation of of Israel. Jacob's trouble. Jacob is all about Israel. It's not judgment against the church. I got some good news for you this morning. If you're in the church, if you're a Christian, you're saved, this thing that's coming on the earth is not against you. In fact, God wants to get as many people as he can into the church before this happens because this is not judgment designed for the church uh, because you've already been judged. And how are you judged? By the blood of Jesus Christ and what you did with it. If you believe in Jesus, if you receive his life, if you are born again, if you receive Jesus to come into your heart, then you're preserved from that trouble. And God's got a way out for you. I'm preaching real good. You ought to say a big amen. And that good news? Hallelujah. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11, it talks about in that passage of Scripture uh, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived or fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, names all these things, nor covetous, drunkards. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. But I love verse 11. Can I read it to you? It says, and such were some of you. I was one of those. I had trouble with alcohol. I, was, I would have been an alcoholic without the power of God. I was going down that road. I hated it, but I had no power against it. It was in my family. My dad was an alcoholic. He got saved later in life. My dad is in heaven today. But th- those things can be passed on. You know things can be passed on in life? And I, I began to drink when I was a, an older teenager And then I fall into this thing, and I hated it. I hated it, but I met Jesus. Let me read this verse to you. Such were some of you, but, oh, this is good, but you were washed, and you were sanctified, and you were justified. That means you were declared to be innocent. That means justified. Think about it. Just as if I had never sinned. It's the way God sees you today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is what God did for us in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The judgment coming is not for the church. Jesus was judged for you. If you've never received him, receive him today because he wants to set you free from all those things and you can be a part of what I'm talking about. But let me conclude with this. Look at verse 33, Matthew 24. The signs, signs in the earth, signs in human behavior, signs of the nation of Israel. Jesus says this, so you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation, what generation? The generation that witnesses everything I've talked about will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Somebody said, well, yeah, Brother Ken, you know, we've seen these things before. I mean, all these things have happened before. Yeah, that may be true. But they've never all culminated and been happening at the same time like they're happening right now. Folks, we are close. And that brings me to point number two. You ready? Point number two is there is an escape for those who are serving Jesus. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15. It's up on the screen. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, 
Paul got a revelation of this. He says that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, is that us? Maybe so. It could be at the very door. Jesus could be right there. So maybe this is talking about us. We that are alive and remain shall be with him in the clouds, be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. That Greek word for caught up together there is harpazo. That means to snatch out or be taken away. It's what we would call the rapture. Anybody ever heard of the rapture? Somebody said, well, yeah, Brother Kim, but, you know, I... I I, I guess the rapture is in the Bible. Yeah, it is in the Bible. But I think it's going to come after all the bad stuff happens. Or I think it's going to come maybe in the middle. You know, there are people, they're, they're pre-trib or mid-trib or post-trib. But here's what I want you to see today. Whatever trib you are, understand this. Before it gets really tribby bad, God is going to take us out of this deal. There is a rapture. This judgment was not intended for us. It's God's dealings with the world to get right. It's not for the church. A rapture's coming. God never judges the righteous with the sinners. There's pictures of the rapture all through the Bible. The, the story of Noah is a picture of the, uh, of the rapture. I mean, I mean, right before the, the flood came and judgment came, Noah got on an ark and was preserved. There was not one drop of rain that hit Noah's head. Why? Because he trusted God. Bam, it's like a rapture. Another picture of the rapture is the story of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. And right before judgment came, God, somebody, Abraham prayed for Lot, and somebody came and he was delivered. He was snatched out. Why? Because God believes in the rapture. There were two other raptures in the Bible too. The story of Enoch is the story of the rapture. I love that, that one little passage in the Bible about, about Enoch. It says, and Enoch walked with God. Man, you got to walk with God if you want to experience all the goodness of God. That's about daily, Enoch walked with God. And then it goes, says, and was not, for God took him. Whoa. Doesn't that give you cold chills? Enoch's just walking with God and all of a sudden, and he was not. Where'd Enoch go? He was with God. He's raptured. Another picture of the rapture is the story of Elijah. When a chariot came down and took Elijah bodily to heaven. See, I'm telling you this because this is the great hope uh, of us as Christians. In fact, that passage ends, verse 18, therefore comfort one another with those words. I'm giving you comfort today. That God wants you to be secure and comfortable to know that we're not going through judgment. God will take care of us. That's why we need to first know that for ourselves. But then we need to tell other people about it. You can escape the judgment. Yeah, things are bad, but the answer to the world is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So there is a rapture. There is an escape. Uh, and then number three, and this is the thing I want to really zero in on this morning. Uh, knowing those things, we, these things defi- define our assignment. And we need to know what our, uh, uh, we need to know these things because our assignment is very important. My brother and sister, you are here for great importance. You are living today because God saw fit to let you live in this time. Look in Acts chapter one, beginning in verse six. Now, I'll set the stage. This is when Jesus has been raised from the dead, and for 40 days and 40 nights before he goes to heaven, remember, he appeared to his disciples, right? I think that was cool. They're just talking, and Jesus just shows up because he could walk through walls because he'd been glorified. Uh, 
And so this is right before he goes to heaven and he's giving his disciples their last, the last words and really he's defining their assignment. And these are his last words. And this defines our assignment for Jesus today. Let's start reading in verse six. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses, and this is significant, in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the world. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Rapture, right? You know, I, and, and I, I, there's a scripture that goes along with this that in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we'll all be changed. And so we, I think we've kind of traditionally taught and thought, and I thought this, and maybe it's right, I don't know. But when the rapture happens, we're just going to disappear. But you know, the disciples, you kind of get the idea that they watched him go up through the clouds. It's like they saw him lift. Can you imagine how cool that would be? And he just went, and he goes through the clouds. And so they're standing there looking at him, right? You with me? When he had spoken those things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, I mean, they're standing there going, I wonder if he's going to come back down. And they're watching. Uh, uh, he went up. Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. These are angels. Who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And he was raptured and he's going to come back. But here's our assignment. We're to take this gospel, this good news I'm telling you about this morning. And we're to take it into first Jerusalem. And Judea, you know, Judea was like a, a province, okay? And Jerusalem was the capital. And Jerusalem was like home. But Judea is like the area. And then Samaria was north. And then even to the uttermost, uttermost parts of the world. Four things. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, other parts of the world. This is what we're called to do as Christians, my brother and sister. First of all, let's talk about Jerusalem. What is that? That's home. I believe that defines your marriage and raising your kids. Do you know your family is the most important mission field you'll ever go to? Trudy and I go all over America just about every weekend. You, you'll see that we're not here. We're not church hoppers, okay? We're traveling. We'll be traveling next weekend to Colorado. Next weekend we go to Ohio and do two churches. And our assignment from the Lord is to focus people on the importance of connecting your marriage and working on your marriage because great marriages don't just happen. There's not an anointing to be married, okay? You got to work marriage out. And it's challenging. And it's challenging every, every year of your life. But there's just some things you have to do. And they're found in the Bible. We teach on marriage. We teach on raising kids. We brought some of our material. I'll do a little quick advertisement. In fact, we've got some cards back there that you can get free downloads on our website. Uh, and we've got some other materials back there. Why? Because you need, to, you need information from the Word of God that will empower you. That's like Jerusalem. Then Judea, I, I liken that to, that's like your, 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 uh, your relationships outside your family. I believe Judea is like your church too. See, it's going to be more and more critical in our time that we be connected to be empowered to a local church. You must be a part of a local church and then be involved and be active 
and, and meet people there and receive strength. You need people in your life that are like you that are going through what you're going through, right? You need a pastor in your life. You need teachers that'll teach you the word of God because you come to church on Sunday morning and you've gone through things. But you hear the word and things slough off you and you get empowered to go back out and attack the world, right? I like this preaching. You like this? It's okay? Okay. So Judea, Samaria. Samaria, is that maybe like your job? You, you get those things in order. Then you're a, you're a witness to the people in the workplace and, and, and in the world. And when you, when you go into a convenience store and, you, and compassion comes on you for somebody standing there and God says, give them $20 and tell them I love them. See, God does that sometimes, yeah. And we need to be sensitive, but we're empowered whenever we got the first two things in line. And then the fourth thing is the, the uttermost parts of the world. That's not just an evangelist. That's just somebody's called to the uttermost parts of the world. No, you, your faith, and what you are obedient to do will impact the world. It has far-reaching result. And I'll, I'll, I'll begin to close here with a story that will kind of explain this. See, there's potential in you that, that sometimes I'm convinced goes untapped in the church. Before I get into the story, let me, let me share this with you. It's like I, I found out that a bar of iron, like a, 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 you know, a bar of iron metal is worth about $5. But if you take that same iron and you make horseshoes out of it, then it would be worth $50. The value goes up. Why? Because it gets developed. If you took that same bar of iron and you made sewing needles out of it, and you get a lot of sewing needles, the, the price would go up to $5,000 because you'd have, you'd have thousands of sewing needles. But if you took that bar of iron and you made little parts for Swiss watches, the value would go up to $500,000, half a million dollars. Why? Because that raw substance, all of us have raw substance. There's, there's something in you. There's giftings in you. There's giftings in you, John. There's things in you, Logan. There's things in you that God put in as a raw uh, thing, but you have to develop it. You have to get out there. You have to bring it forth. You have to cooperate with God, and he wants to bring it forth to be a blessing to mankind, and it's valuable. And a lot of times we think it's so small. What we can do is small. And here's my story, true story. Trudy and I got married in 1971. And we really did love each other. I mean, we're young. I'm only 19. She's only 17. We, we got married probably too young. But we loved each other. Grew up in this little West Texas town. And, uh, but we get married, and, and we don't know how to get along with each other. <laughs> and so we're fussing and fighting and because we're both very passionate people. And we both are very opinionated people. And those opinions, when you don't know how to mesh them together, they'll butt heads and do damage. In fact, you can beat yourself to death, and many do. Because half the marriages don't make it. And we were going down that road. Uh, one night after a big fight, we've been married only a couple of months. We love each other. We don't know how to get along. She cries out to God. We don't know God. That's a big thing we didn't know. And uh, she cried out and said, God, i got to have your help. I don't know if you're there. I don't know what you do. And she pointed her finger into heaven. And she was real bold about this. You know, I think Jesus likes honesty. She said, if you don't show me you're real, I'm going to tell you what, I'm never going to church again the day of my life. She'd gone to church all her life, but she didn't know Jesus. She said, I'll never darken another door. That's it. Amen. That was her prayer. Well, the next day, everybody say the next day. 
So people came over her, relatives that had gotten saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And they told her about it. And she was saved and filled with the Spirit. Her life was transformed. And then she did something. She, began, she told me about it, but I didn't want any part of it. See, she cried out to God, not me. And I'm running from God, but she's praying for me. I don't know if she's doing it. That's a sneaky thing to do to a guy that's running from God. Because her prayers began to work on me. One particular time, never forget it. God, I was driving. God came in the car with me. I know he did. Because God appears to people. God does. I mean, I didn't see him. But I knew he was there. Because God is reality. And I knew Jesus. And I heard him say this. I love you. I want to help you. Why don't you ask me to help you? It was an awesome moment. And I got saved. We began to serve God. And in her family, very interesting, in that summer between May and August of 1971, there were over 30 members of her blood family that had that experience. They were saved and filled with the Holy Spirit out of a real strict denominational Christian legalistic deal, okay? But they were, and many of them became preachers. We're a couple of them. And, and had churches one of, one of her brother-in-law had a church of 2,000 people. One day, her dad was one of those people too, saved to fill the Holy Spirit in his 50s. There's a knock on his door in a little town, 800 people. He was a postmaster. And a little lady was standing on the door when he uh, standing at the door. Her name was Mrs. Greer. And uh, he said, yes, can I help you? Mrs. Greer was a little Pentecostal lady in our town, in her 70s. And she was like... People knew Mrs. Greer as a holy roller, okay? Oh, she's kind of weird. Made fun of Mrs. Greer. Mrs. Greer's standing there, and he said, can I help you? He said, Mr. Burke, I heard that Jesus visited your family. And he said, well, yeah, that's right. She said, can I tell you a story? He said, yes, come in. She began to recount. She said, about 10 years ago, I was out in my garden one day, and I looked up, and I saw your white house across the railroad track. And she said, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to pray for the people in that house. And she said, as he told me that, I got a glimpse into heaven. She said, I saw angels coming down and going up from your house. And she said, so I obeyed God. And for 10 years, I would point my finger at that house and say, God, touch the people in the White House. You know what happened? Mrs. Greer birthed that revival. This little Pentecostal lady never had a lot, didn't maybe know a lot, she obeyed God. Now, there is coming a day that we'll be in heaven, and there will be a judgment seat of Christ that we'll come to as believers. There's two judgments. There's the great white throne judgment, and that is for the unbeliever, and you don't want to be at that one, okay? That's a bad one. But then the judgment seat of Christ means you are in heaven but now you meet with Jesus, imagine this, one-on-one, and he rewards you for your obedience to do what he said to do on the earth. It's really going to happen. Can you imagine how happy you'll be just because you're in heaven? I mean, just saying, you're going to wake up and go, you're in heaven. Heaven's forever. Heaven is where it's at. You understand? You will just, it'll be, oh, my, yes, I made it. Ah! And you rejoice and jump up and down a long time. But then the judgment seat determines your rewards for what what you've done. Now, God's blessed us. I've been in the ministry a long time. 
I was a part of a children's ministry, Church on the Move, with Willie George, a man named Willie George, who was Gospel Bill. Anybody ever heard of Gospel Bill? We had a TV show back in the 80s that went all around the world. Millions of little kids watched that show. Touched millions of little, little kids' lives who are now all adults. I got to be a part of that. And there's no telling the reach of that program because of the power of television. Then I was in a great church called Church on the Move, and I led worship there. Church ran many thousands. Now I'm part of New Song. New Song's growing. New Song was going to make an impression. There's there's an anointing on this church for this city. I'm not saying it's the only one, but it is a big one. God wants to do some great things through this church. I'm convinced of that. And so for, you know, my obedience, there'll be a reward. So I was a cowboy on the Gospel Bill Show. I probably have my Nicodemus cowboy outfit on. And my name will be announced. Ken Blunt, come up here to receive your reward. Oh, but before you do, Mrs. Greer, would you come here? Because she has a piece in everything we did. What I'm saying, my brother, sister, we all have a piece. You have a piece. Obey God. He's coming. Judgment's coming. There is a great hope we have in the rapture we can encourage ourselves with this morning. But then that brings us to this. Do what you're called to do. Be a part of what God has for you. Because it's big. It's bigger than you think. There's things. Close your eyes, would you? There are things in people in this room this morning. There are giftings. There are things God has for you. Some of them are just a glimpse you've had in your heart. And you even thought, I, I, that can never come to pass. I want you to know God has a path for you to follow. God wants those things to come forth. He put those things in you not to frustrate you, but so you could be a blessing. Not just to you, so you can be a big deal. So you can help people in the earth. Father, I thank you for speaking to our hearts this morning. I thank you for this church, for the anointing on it. I thank you, Lord. We give you praise. And I want to ask you this question. What's God saying to you about this? What's he telling you to do? What is a step? What is the Lord speaking to you? Maybe it's to get involved in kids' ministry or nursery or, 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 or maybe it is to obey God in giving. I don't know. I'm not God, but he talks to people, and I believe he's talking to you. And whatever that is, set in your heart you're going to obey him. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. We give you praise right now. We bless you. Thank you for our time where we are. We know it's short. Thank you for using us to fulfill your purpose in Jesus' name. Everybody look at me. We're going to ask the prayer team to come right now, if you would. All the altar prayer, altar workers, come up and line up across the stage. If there's anything you need prayer for this morning, you have some kind of sickness in your body you're dealing with, uh, any kind of situation you'd like to pray with, these people are here to pray and agree. There's power in prayer, right? And, and these people want to agree with you in prayer. Maybe you need to get right with God. Maybe you want to tell them, pray with me. I want to know that I'm right with God. I'm a Christian as I leave here today. Father, we give you thanks for it. And let's just all stand on our feet if you would. Let's worship the Lord as David leads us in one last song. And come up here if you want prayer for anything. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.